Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to the 190th edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Service, and I have never once in my life ordered a racist salad. Uh, such a thing exists, I assure you, but I've never ordered. I've ordered many salads. I've read, ordered more salads than books uh, read in my life, that's for sure. But uh, we're not talking about racist wedge salads or, or, or reading A Catcher in the Rye once. We're talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays' transaction page has been updated more recently than the works of J.D. Salinger. hey Uh Joining me, as always, to save me from this hole that I've dug myself off the top here, uh, Old Reliable, you, uh, as I, always. Is it, did you, <laughs> by dug it, do you mean D-O-U-G? Yes, yes. I do, uh, oh, fuck. I'm sorry, man. I don't think that saved you. I think that was so compounded <laughs> terribleness of this opening. Uh, Stoughton and I were talking off the air, uh, a, a query of mine, how many books in your life, how many books do you think Doug Ford has read in his entire life? And now I'm countering that with how many salads do you think he's consumed in his life? Do you think that there's like, an, they are, or consumed by choice? And I'm saying that they're like a one-to-one, literally one and one uh, in, in his adult life. But uh, that's the story for another show. We're going to go super bad where we just riff <laughs> on uh, or by mocking the premiere of Ontario. We're, we're gonna it's um, we're gonna rename it Chapel Birdhouse. Yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> Dougie, go on Chapel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, talking about your Toronto Blue Jays, we're gonna do it in an upbeat fashion. We're gonna look for the silver lining uh, of this uh, very slow time. Uh, the Jays won't even have anybody they can offer. A, uh, they, they're not offering anybody a qualifying offer, that's for sure. Well, they traded that guy for nothing uh, at the end of September there. Did they? They <laughs> traded him for something. Oh, an impact an impact arm, you're right. Sorry, sorry. I forgot I forgot you buy into Shatkin's spin on these kinds of things. You do realize that saying that they gave away Josh Donaldson for nothing is equivalent to, well, maybe not equivalent. It's in the same ballpark as the Jays paid Steve Pierce to go away. Like, those two people are breathing the same air. They're ordering the same racist salads, both of those two people. Maybe. I, you know, I mean, I don't know. They're, they're, the return they're, they're for Josh Donaldson was awful. So I don't know that I would necessarily agree that they're <laughs> the same. You could bet that the say that the say that there is a very large people. Um, uh, the Venn diagram overlaps of the people who who hold those two opinions. Fair that the Jays gave away Josh Johnson for nothing, and they paid Steve Pierce to go away uh, because of incompetence. Uh, the the really the meat the meaty section, the real true meaty section, is the people that believe that they did it to Cleveland. They dumped him to Cleveland because they're colluding oh, with yeah. the Cleveland baseball yeah, that's organization. The... Do we we've coined the term blue anon before for the fucking conspiracy nut Blue Jays fans? Because <laughs> if we haven't, that's that's who believe, would believe that absolutely yes. <laughs> that that is honestly one of my favorite things, especially because I would say that the belief has gone from they dumped him to then when he was not good for Cleveland because he hadn't played in like three and a half months. That then it was that they gave him away for nothing, and they made a huge mistake by trading him at all. Yeah, they could have offered him a qualifying offer that he would have happily accepted. Well, somebody, sorry, I was going to say what I quite enjoyed uh, because I wrote it <laughs> was in in the mailbag that I uh, posted today at the Athletic. You can read me at the the Athletic uh, sometimes. <laughs> was 
that the the people that get that would like harangue Shapiro and Atkins, Shatkins, whatever, that would mm-hmm. lose their minds about the value loss on Donaldson would gladly mm-hmm. build a statue to Alex Anthopoulos, who traded Roy Halladay for Kyle Drabeck, Travis Darnold, and Michael Taylor slash Brett Wallace slash Anthony Ghost slash Devin Travis. You know. And in that case, not to make this, you know, antagonizing those morons, but, you know, they are morons. Uh, you know, in that case, I think people would very understandably be like, well, yeah, that's, you know, trading is difficult. And sometimes you're bound by certain things that uh, that don't let you operate in a vacuum and, and trade pieces at their ideal value or you don't have, you know, the right uh, thing coming back. Uh, and yet when it comes to... Shatkins or whoever else they uh, they group into the the front office that they hate so much, uh, probably not uh, willing to give them that benefit of the doubt. But uh, but you know if you want to talk in broad strokes, as I do, which I I do too. We we can relitigate the Roy Halladay trade. Of course, it is just over one year <laughs> I mean, we've got... since Roy Halladay. What? Well, I was going to say we can re re yeah. we can relitigate the trade. I was going to say it's just over one year. It was one year ago earlier this week that he, in fact, died, which is still so crazy for me to wrap my head around. Uh, I feel, obviously, it was, uh, you know, we talked about a, b- a bunch on this show. You know, there are lots of emotional tributes with his sons and his wife. And uh, it's just crazy that it's been a year. But, yeah, we can re- go back over that trade again. I'll go to the mat. That Kyle Drabeck was a prospect. Oh, sure. Right? Sure, 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 sure. I don't know. I don't know. You threw me for a loop there because I'm like, I'm the comic relief of this podcast, you know, in as <laughs> giant air quotes, comic. <laughs> uh, and I was just like, oh, you know what? I probably shouldn't joke about this part. Yeah. We just, but no, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, Kyle Drabeck was a prospect. Brett Wallace. People were, we were like over the moon. It's like, this this guy's going to be incredible. Everybody's All he that. does is hit. Yeah. All he does is hit. Um, look, the Josh Donaldson thing. So the Josh Donaldson thing can provide us our first pivot point of the show where we can move on to a newsy item, Thanks, which is the GM meetings are going on somewhere that's probably San Diego-ish. Um, Carl's, the GM meetings Carlsbad. Are, Carlsbad, Carlsbad just outside of San Diego, home of Callaway Golf, I believe. They have their, head off, their home offices there. That's a very golf-heavy area of the world. Um GM meetings don't generate the same kind of headline headlines as the winter meetings. It is a bit quieter. There was a trade that was made. The Rays are raising again. They traded Malik Smith after he did lit like the, they did the literal thing that we I denigrated them for uh, either on the podcast or on Twitter or both about how they take something that it, they they have a player who has a decent season and then they immediately trade him. And I will again wait to see if Malik Smith can hit or perform at any level like as he did last year, which was like he was a 115 OPS plus or something like that, like above average, can run fast, play some def- decent defense, was like a three and a half win guy. And they got Mike Zunino, the Mariners catcher who was sucks. like all hit. Oh, yeah. He sucks. He was all <laughs> hit in college. And then he turned into like this defensive dynamo who can't hit at all, who was bounced up and down in the minor leagues. Um, but he told me he's got lots of extra control for the race to exploit. Yeah. Um, the Rays, man, they're just they're just raising. They um, so they they they, they had a, they had to clear out a spot in the outfield because they've still got Kiermaier under contract and they've got Tommy Pham now and Austin Meadows. Uh, they are one hundred percent going to trade Tommy Pham at the upcoming um, trade deadline. 
Shit, you know what? I think I'm on the wrong podcast. Is this birds all day or crow all day? I thought, are you just going to crow about your correctness about the rays a bunch? Or I just hate them. I hate them. <laughs> and it's they're so transparent in their shittiness. Tommy Pham is into his first year of arbitration. He's out. Get rid of him. Um, yeah. But the, but the reason, so the GM meetings are going on. They made a trade. The, the <laughs> On fan graphs, they call it the biannual Rays-Mariners trade. Um, but Josh Donaldson himself could be the catalyst for change in baseball as we know it, in that they might move the trade deadline, remove the irrevocable waivers, that sort of all the window dressing to what has now become a two-tiered trade deadline system, uh-huh. move it to the middle of August and let it go. Like, that's it. Make any trade you want up until August 15th or whatever day they, they settle on. Um, due to a lot of the shenanigans that went on with Josh Donaldson, where there was reports that teams were not happy. Um, I can understand why they wouldn't be happy. It was sort of shady that he was created when he was on the disabled list, even though they took him off and then put him right back on. I don't know. I mean, function functionally, it won't change anything if they move the trade deadline by two weeks. Will it? No, I, th- I think that would be outstanding. And I would I would advocate for the shift that you're referring to, if only because it would mean I would never have to read another explainer f- about fucking revocable waivers in August again. Uh, but also because you don't have, for every one explainer, there's three <laughs> idiots who are like, what the hell? What? They put Stroman on waivers? Yeah. <laughs> if, we, if we never have to deal with that again, I will be so much the happier for it. Uh, but I, I'm finding something confusing that you said, which is that the uh, the idea that, like, okay, so why, like, Josh Donaldson, the Jays in Cleveland, why would it, like, what would lead anyone to think that something shady could happen between those two franchises? It doesn't make sense. I feel it's probably just a, a, a you know, a good faith uh, transaction. No, I don't, I don't know what the problem might have been there. It was shady as hell. <laughs> It wasn't, it, but it wasn't shady because it was it was the Jason Cleveland. I don't think well, you, that kind of shadiness would happen with anybody. Anybody would have happily pulled off that same a little maneuver. Convenient, a little convenient that those were the two teams, though, don't you think? Listen, <laughs> Steve, I don't need this. I don't need this right now. Yeah, you know, no, you uh, know, definitely. Honestly, yeah. Josh Donaldson every day before he went to the ballpark would eat a fucking hot dog at this one specific cart. <laughs> chicken hot dog yeah you know i think that the nitrates in those hot dogs uh probably prevented his calf from healing properly and i i think this is a story that we really need to address i think it's the cold weather the cold (laughs) weather here Uh, i found a it's the doctor Doctor pepper we all know it's the dr pepper would never drink (laughs) would never drink water would only drink dr pepper that's the answer i found a website that allows you to con Compare and contrast uh, different cities' uh, weather. Over you can do it over the course of the year, and it's I don't know why it's like the funniest thing to me. Because doing things like comparing gray and like obviously very seasonal Toronto, where it's like days of rain and days of sun and days of muggy, comparing it to like Singapore. Singapore has the most boring weather in the entire world, but it's also the most miserable weather because it's like a hundred percent humidity, hundred days in or hundred percent of the days. 100% chance of rain every single day. It just reminded me of that in the weather. It's the, the miserable weather in Toronto. That's why. Because it's great. Not enough Not enough sunlight. Not enough vitamin D to allow his calf 
to, um, to heal. I am sure that in St. Louis, where he will be living next, there'll be plenty of vitamin D for him. He's going to live that far away from uh, Atlanta, eh? Oh, Atlanta, is it? They don't I need don't him. Know. They, they have uh, Camargo. We've talked about uh, it. So, so now we're into the, sta- the part of the show where we offer our free agent prediction. Oh, my God. Are we really going to do that? God, no. Oh, fuck. What, what yeah. is of less value to anyone? It's bad enough when people who are like in the know do it because they're, no, they're not in the know. They're making educated guesses. We would be making even less educated guesses, although we've just made our first foray <laughs> into the guessing game. I, uh, the other day, I was sitting, uh, as I sometimes do, at a bar, uh, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine who was sitting next to me, was, who was not uh, a baseball fan, or at least not into the minutia in the same way that I might be, I uh, was just like, oh, how's your Twitter going? What do you do? Because I'm obviously like a zombie looking at my phone. Uh, mm. <laughs> and there, so she asked how my Twitter was going. And I'm like, oh, I'm looking at this article that's like, here are a bunch of guys the Blue Jays could trade for, but almost certainly won't. <laughs> does, does that, does, doesn't that sound riveting like and, and like as i kind of explained what i was was you know looking at i was like oh wow jesus christ what a what like pointless busy work this is but also that trying to explain to somebody that's your life <laughs> yeah this is my life this is who i am and yeah. and the reason that this exists is because i'm not alone there are dozens or hundreds of other people who would happily consume that content gobble it up like they are suffocating and that thing is oxygen like who might the jays trade for if something bizarre happened and they were able to make a trade they could line up with these guys never will but might uh it's like writing a here are four blue jays here you know benny fresh writing about free agents that the blue jays could target he, he threw some good names out there i'll give him he that. did throw some good names out there garrett richards i'm like garrett, i have a very skewed view of Get Richards because of my past hosting Halos all day, the the Angels podcast. Mm. I love Garrett Richards. He's way too good for to be on the 2019 Blue Jays. I got no time for well, that. Well, is he going to be on the 2019 anybody at this point? Uh, no, that's true. Yeah. He's like the Evolve. That was the, the point. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, the, no, you're right. That's right. I I did. I kind of blew through that. Um, he's the guy you signed to a two year deal, and be like, come and heal in Dunedin. <laughs> hey going to have state-of-the-art facilities soon. Not in 2019, though. Not in 2019 when you're... That, see, I can't... That, that would be a tough sell for me if I was facing a grueling rehab that's a very lonely process. That's the thing that you hear, you read, that people refer to all the time. But to have to do it, like, so far away from, the, from, from home or where I've become my home in terms of <laughs> California, San Diego... Um, I thought you were just going to say just, Dunedin, just have to do it in fucking Dunedin. Well, Florida, <laughs> Florida itself, yeah. obviously that's a grim uh, event. But just to change coasts, I mean, that would be tough. That's, but I mean, if someone's offering you a two-year deal, that's also probably difficult to uh, turn down. Well, guess how many other teams besides the Blue Jays might offer Garrett Richards a two-year deal? Is it another uh, team based in Florida? <laughs> <laughs> Is it like... 29 other teams, maybe? That would offer the blue, offer Garrett Richards a deal? Uh, well, I mean, it's not going to get anybody, anybody's way this year. I don't know. No, that's true. Who, would, that's who true. wouldn't offer Garrett Richards a deal like that? 
Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, obviously the the native Aldi thing was uh, was very fruitful for Tampa. Those mm-hmm. scumbags. Uh, <laughs> it's it's such a trivial. Well, it's a baseball trivial amount of money that yes. extra year, right? Where there's like you're not there's no risk in the one year deal. Yeah, and you're like basically just taking that risk and spreading it out over two. Yeah, where uh, well, so you, is it the Twins have uh, Michael Pineda? Somebody has, yeah. That. yeah, did the same thing, right? Like he was hurt, and they're like, "All right, well." Mm. But uh, this this should catch on. This should be. I mean, pitchers get hurt so often that. Uh, I mean, I think back doing it all the time. Like if somebody had if if the Dodgers had done it with Brandon Morrow, um, he would be rich. Like they, he would be less rich, but they would have had him for longer. Absolutely, you know, yeah. yeah. They they would have maybe won the World Series because their bullpen wouldn't have been a fucking disaster. Well, I mean, was he was he going to fucking injure himself putting on pants with in the Dodgers system? I guess I guess he wears shorts more often in uh, Southern California. <laughs> so that's... He swim trucks. He's more at home. <laughs> you know, he, uh, even though he's a Northern California guy, Southern California, uh, they're not worlds apart. They're basically the same thing. Um, what are some other uh, other names that that uh, Benny Fresh came up with? Lance Lynn. Uh, Lance Lynn is, he kind of fits the bill in terms of being like a bounce back guy who's got a good fastball and pitched okay for the Yankees. Um, I'm very afraid of a guy like that who's going to give up a lot of home runs. Are you afraid of a former Cardinals guy, which I think Ben points out in the article, who pitched for the Yankees and Twins the year before the Jays got him? Yeah, can't, can't, imagine, can't imagine what would have sent you screaming away from a player <laughs> like that. Uh, the other name is Trevor Cahill. <laughs> Trevor Cahill is a name. People seem to key on that. They're like, oh, that's great. I like that idea. Trevor Cahill. I had some people um, tweeting me about like, oh, yeah, Trevor Cahill. And I'm like, what? No. God, he <laughs> sucks. I'm glad that he changed his style. That's meaningful. If he's throwing more off-speed pitches, according to Ben, um, good for him. I don't know. Sure. Whatever. Trevor yeah, Cahill. sure. Really? But he's probably, they say two-year, MLB Trade Rumors predicts a two-year, $22 million contract between Cahill and the Blue Jays. Well, 538 predicts there's a either 45 or 50% chance that uh, one of the parties wins something. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, those recounts, those recounts are uh, coming in. What, is, what, is that, what does that prediction really mean, let's be honest? No, I'm actually, I, I'm rambling, I mean... I'm I'm prone to do that at the best of times, but I'm rambling also because I'm like, I wonder if uh, if, if Doug Hudgens or Dave Hudgens or whoever the fuck the Blue Jays' new bench coach is uh, ever managed Cahill in the A's system. A fine question indeed. Well, a fine I mean, question I mean indeed. if you want to get into that sort of, <laughs> I think the, the pointless minutia. Yeah, let's uh, let's find out. The thing about Trevor Cahill for me is that it's not sexy. I like the idea of like trying to tame some kind of fire balling, you know, freak who throws a hundred miles an hour, but has never been able to figure it out. And then you bring him in and he figures it out and then you can trade him for the world or you could have him around to be a contributor. Um, Trevor Gale is not ever going to be that. He's like a really steady back of the rotation guy that maybe a contender would want a piece of, or you can count on to go and pitch 30 times um, as long as he's, he's, Stays as good as he was once, not as bad as he was a bunch of times. Um, but yeah, that's you start to mine those connections, I guess, is what you're 
saying as we transition again another pivot point here uh as we talk about the this is this is the state of the, uh, the state of the nation that we're talking about the blue jays hiring a bench coach mm-hmm. um one who the rope bat king i believe is how we describe him <laughs> i think so i mean that rope bat shirt is uh is, is pretty good Big that fan. rope bat shirt is really good the rope bat is a cool idea um, so why don't you tell everyone? You had to tell me. Oh, now God. you tell everyone else listening what it means. The rope bat thing that we're talking about. Yeah, it's just uh, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, whatever the uh, the new man, the uh, the, <laughs> the new man who's going to be on the bench uh, next to Charlie Montoya, uh, <laughs> Dave Hudgens, who was the the hitting coach for the Astros. Uh, somebody tweeted this at me, and I apologize. I forget who specifically did, uh, but if you YouTube him. You'll see him giving some testimonials about uh, an a, a incredible hitting coaching device, which is the rope bat, which uh, is a piece of rope with a couple, <laughs> a couple like pieces of plastic on the ends on either end, maybe mm-hmm. some wood. I don't know, but uh, uh, David has super jacked forearms that look like he should be it's still playing ball, even though he's like fucking sixty one years old, uh, wearing a. a delightful incredibly logoed rope bat t-shirt uh will explain to you what the system uh can do but also mostly in those videos it's actually interesting he talks about launch angle and and uh mm-hmm. a very new age sort of philosophy of hitting because the man is a hitting coach despite the fact that he has been hired to be the blue jays bench coach uh he got uh he got kicked up the pyramid uh and uh and and it's going to get a little bit of a raise, I think. I I assume. I don't. Were we talking about this off air, or maybe I was talking this uh, about this with somebody else earlier? But uh, I assume that you know, much like you know, you the, the uh, front office guys don't aren't usually not allowed to interview to have a lateral move. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to be the same way in the coaching ranks, perhaps because because mm-hmm. uh, Hudgens was a hitting coach, but he's getting offered the bench coach job. So I think that, you know, if the Jays had offered him the hitting coach job, which is vacant right now because they got rid of Brooke Jacoby, uh, I don't know that Houston would have allowed that because that's not a promotion. That's a theory I'm working on, but I'm not sure. Anyway, interesting, interesting guy, long history, A's organization, managed in Venezuela. Uh, but also Six years, uh, you said. You, you, you tweeted that he managed in Venezuela for six years? Yes, and uh, uh, and d- managed to do that without speaking fluent Spanish, which I learned uh, from my wonderful colleague, uh, Caitlin McGrath, who uh, Slack messaged me today. She's like, I saw your tweet. I talked to Dave Hudgens, because that's what, you know, real mm. <laughs> like journalists and reporters do, as opposed to whatever the fuck I do. Uh, and she's like, yeah, I asked him about that because of your tweet. And he's like, no, and he, you know, most of those guys are older. They speak enough English to get by. It wasn't really a big deal. So, uh, so cross that off the list of the potential reasons that they hired Dave Hudgens. But, uh, I don't know, stealing the Astros hitting coach, it, <laughs> knowing nothing other than that about it seems like probably a good thing, right? I think that we, what we've learned is that you steal the Red Sox or the Angels Astros bench coach you win the world series you steal the hitting coach to make him your bench coach one step down uh, the blue jays are going to win the american league pennant i think that, okay. that's not too okay. much to ask no also certainly. uh you mentioned vanessa hudgens uh, she was in high school musical <laughs> okay um and that's about all i knew about her and then i realized of course that she's in the seminal film uh sucker punch uh the um uh what's his name that goof that ruins all the superhero movies 
Um, have you seen Sucker Punch? Let me tell you. I haven't seen any it, superhero movies, that's for fucking sure. Well, it's not a superhero movie. It is a terrible movie. Well, uh, well that, that could be... Many superhero movies could also be terrible movies. I don't know if you know the one with Bane. Yeah. <laughs> what a bunch of shit. Anyway, please uh, go on. Sucker Punch, Sucker Punch is a Zack Snyder film. Um, that is... To- it's like a one long music video for a music for a song you don't like, um, but it is uh, it is an arresting visual experience. It's got all the Zack Snyder bullshit slow motion and people doing flips and stuff. Um, it's very weird, but also I it's almost ambitious. It's ambitiously bad, um, which I can almost admire if it wasn't for all the Zack Snyderness of it. Looks like a Zack Snyder movie. Sounds like a Zack Snyder movie. It's a Zack Snyder movie. Was he the? There you go. He was the big prospect in the Scott Rowland trade. No, that was Zack Stewart. Oh, of course, right. who pitched yes, in sure. Korea. My apologies. My apologies. He wasn't the big prospect in that. Oh, trade. He, was. That was, that was... <laughs> he was, but somebody else turned it a little bit better, I think. Yeah, there was another piece in that that worked out. Josh Renicky, of course. Yeah, that's who we're uh, referring to, obviously. Yeah. Josh Renicky, who's famous for giving up like one of the longest home runs I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> He gave up like a 500-foot home run to Giancarlo Stanton in, in Colorado. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, I don't know what else. What is there to say about a bench coach? You hope that he is able to um, help coax good <laughs> performance out of young players. Right, yeah. People do have like very strong opinions about this sort of stuff. I mean, the manager is obviously a bit of a different thing. Uh, because there's mm-hmm. a bit of a front-facing aspect to that job. And, and uh, mm-hmm. may I... I mean, since we're here, since we got literally fucking nothing else to talk about, may I offer a, a, a tinfoil hat theory that I have? I'm excited. Uh, These are my favorite theories this. of yeah, all. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, Charlie Montoyo is uh, obviously this is like, you know, a very affable, very down to earth guy. You can tell that just from the, the uh, introductory press conference that he had. Mm-hmm. My, I wonder. It's not. I was going to say my suspicion, but I don't think it's. I don't think I would even go that far because I don't know that I really believe that this would be a thing that they were doing. Because there's there's so many other factors, but I find it curious. And Hudgens Hudgens is maybe fits the same mold, except that there's no fucking public facing aspect of his job, so this completely wouldn't apply. Uh, but I am curious about what kind of consideration might go into the hiring process among the Blue Jays executives who I think could not, could not have not noticed, like basically from the second that they got here, that like Canadians do not respond or people, you know, we don't, we don't, for lack of a better term, we, do, we don't respond to the good faced, American corporate go-getting guy the same kind of way. Does this am I yeah. making any sense at all? Like, like, like there, there's just a different business culture here, and you see all these executives throughout the game. Uh, you see it, it in Atkins and Shapiro, and uh, you know a lot of what has uh, been the disconnect between them and uh, and the fans, other than beyond like the huge missteps that the I think the front office has made and the way that they're just uh, uh, you know I, I, it's not just about sort of you know first blush perception but 
you hear, oh, these guys are so corporate. They we don't you don't understand them. It doesn't it doesn't hit us in the same way. And I've had conversations, not to like belabor this too much, but I've had conversations with people who, uh, this this one friend of mine whose dad ran an advertising agency in Canada, or the Canadian branch of it, and then went to run it in the states and just found the business culture so incredibly different. And and uh, and I wonder, this is a long, this is a lot of words about something that's probably just easily dismissed, but but I wonder that. Uh, if there's any consideration to the fact, uh, to the fact that like, I don't know, people don't respond here to a Shapiro, to an Atkins. They don't think, oh, this is, this is our smart Harvard educated MBA guy who's going to tell us what it is. We, it, it, I don't know. It's just a, it's a different thing. Maybe people don't do it there either, but it, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, managerially the Blue Jays have often had the more, uh, Jesus, for lack of a, a better, like a blue collary kind of guy. Uh, John, we're schlubby people. Yeah, and John, we are John, schlubby people. And, and John Farrell was like not was did not fit that mold and did not get responded to in the same way. And I don't know; mm. it could just be entirely a coincidence. But I think that the front office, from what I from like, like even just talking to them, which I have not done a lot, but I have a little bit, but like like that, like it's very much on their minds it's a thing that they because they're trying to build a brand and they're trying to to connect with people and i wonder if maybe a rocco baldelli a game kapler mold kind of like like jacked american douchebag uh didn't fit what they were looking for as much in in that you know sort of narrow range of the many things that they were perhaps considering I, I think – I don't think that you are way off base. Um, and I think that the way that the media responded to John Gibbons was probably really interesting for those for, – for, for if, if what you're saying about the differences in work culture uh, and as it applies to baseball is true, I bet you – I can see those two being like – not, I don't know if puzzled is the right word, but like, man, they really like this fucking guy. <laughs> but because he, but, but that it's easy to be, to be skeptical maybe, or well, uh, well, not wary. Being, not being on the other like side a, of the border, it's hard to tell what they, like what anyone there really thinks. But the perception that we have here is that like, is, a, and also I'm like, fuck, I, I don't know. Also working at a company with, the, there's a lot of Americans. I noticed the difference just in the tenor of the conversation like on Slack among channels where there's a bunch of Americans and a bunch of Canadians. The Canadians are just sort of, we're a bit, we're just, it's just different. It's just different. I don't want to put, you know, anything positive or negative on it or different quality or talk about the qualities, but it's just, you feel there's a difference between how our, like that, this side of the border does things versus how other side of the border, just, just how they ask questions or approach things. It's, it, it, it's, that is it's an interesting like... thing to me, to be honest. Uh, like there's a quiet desperation that's not quiet <laughs> <laughs> because if this whole job thing doesn't go well and I get sick, I'm going to die. Uh, no, I don't know about that. No, I, I, I kind of get that. I, but I don't think that's on, that's untrue of, of, I think that's probably part of the culture clash that's been ongoing for, you know, almost 20 years now where like very like up with people sort of you know, these business types are have infiltrated uh, a culture that was very much, you know, baseballish, and you know, maybe they, you know, were 
you, things come to you in baseball where business is like, you got to go get it and be these really yeah. like super eager, earnest types where, <laughs> where uh, maybe the athlete, the, the ex jock type is not as earnest as, as the, uh, the new model of these, of these guys who are <laughs> happen to, who are able to do both. Right. Kind of, cause I mean, Atkins played in, 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 when he was in college. And, sure. So they're not like, they're not just like pencil pusher, you know, not people who are incapable of, I don't know, changing a doorknob or unclogging a drain for whatever, yeah, whatever that means. People <laughs> who are physically capable of like executing something with their hands, competence. There's a lot of co- talk about competence I, I, right now. I, I feel like we're having a cultural moment for competence, and I think you see it in like the culture that we like the things that we watch. People love cooking shows. Have you noticed that? People do love cooking shows. That's true. I fucking hate them, mm. but Bourdain's the good, number the rest of them are kind of terrible. But why do people like cooking shows? I think it's because when you watch a cooking show, ninety-nine percent of the time, someone is doing something competent, and it's <laughs> and and most of us. And I think it. I think the the moment, our cultural moment for competence, is related to the wave of like imposter syndrome that's like sweeping over an entire generation of people at work who don't feel secure in their work, and they when they achieve something, they are shocked that it's come to them, and they don't know why them instead of somebody else. Um, that's that's what imposter syndrome is, and it's very common. And oh, I feel like you don't, so. You don't say. You don't say. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> so if I feel like I'm a like I'm a fraud because I'm convinced I don't know what I'm doing ninety percent of the time, and then I in the culture that I consume, I seek competence, and I feel like it's an ongoing thing where even like stupid movies like The Accountant, for example, with that Ben Affleck movie, which is terrific because it's hilarious. Is it? Is it? It's great. I've never it's heard so of it. good. I've never heard of this. It's film. so good, except except for all of the depictions of like autism and the and the autism spectrum <laughs> are like laughable. That feels like but, a big except, but okay. Because it's the entire movie that's like the number one character trait that his character has. Aside from that, oh, uh, the movie's terrific. Sure, yeah. Uh, I I recommend the accountant fully, but it's there's a sequence in the movie where he's doing accounting, where he's like because he's like a savant. Sounds, like, sounds this, like a scintillating film. I may have to reapprise my fucking stance but here. You do because <laughs> he's it's like John Wick if he was an accountant. That's the movie. That's the elevator pitch right there. John Wick accountant. <laughs> the end. Um but like there's just John there's Wick an appreciation. Just, just taking out ten spreadsheets at a time on his own. No, no, he's <laughs> I don't want to give it away if you haven't seen it. He's the accountant for like the mob and he's the accountant for you know the cartels and stuff like that. He he does he does moves money around for people who can't do it themselves because he's so competent with money uh, and also with killing. He's really good at killing. And he's so, in the Trump administration? I'm sorry, I lost track of what you were saying. No, no, he works <laughs> under the radar. He works under the radar. Uh, terrific film. I've seen it more than once, okay. <laughs> quite frankly. Okay. But, but competence. Competence is a thing that people seek and value when you see it. There's always a, you know, so much, so much of the, uh, anything that we watch. It's like you'd like to watch someone be good at something because you're like, well, I wish I was good at that. It's cooking or, or the, the home renovation shows. You're like, man, that guy's good at that. I could not do that. I suck at everything. Even the thing I'm supposed to be good at, I'm bad at. Uh, maybe that's just me. Um, but well, I mean, who among us hasn't smoked a joint and watched some Bob Ross? I mean, Bob Ross is co- so competent. Extraordinary. And even though, competent. even though you think he's just screwed it up, you're like, oh, Bob Ross, what have you done? 
Why did you do that? And then the next thing you know, he pulls it all together. No, not cobalt blue, titanium white. <laughs> uh, what a weird thing that, that they've put Bob Ross episodes on Netflix. With with the rebranding, the chilling with Bob Ross, the the you know they're gonna hook those millennials in with that. They've also added Jeopardy episodes. I There's like Jeopardy that, anthologies. Yeah. That is so strange. But again, what do you want to see? Competent, someone who's competent. And except as Canadians, we don't we want to see that quiet competence. I don't need you slapping yourself on the back, telling everyone how competent you are. I can make that decision on my own. I can figure out if you're competent, and I know that despite his slack-jawed, affable demeanor. John Gibbons was competent as fuck. He didn't have to try hard. And maybe they've tapped into that, as you said. Now, we've this is, this is one of the weirdest tangents we've ever gone on. Oh, my God, yeah. But I'm so happy that and we're we, here. I mean, we could keep... We could, like, I, do we want competence? I, I, seem to re- I seem to recall a few episodes of America's Funniest Home Videos that did not seem to speak to the uh, competent wishing among us. Because there's a difference between competent and bravado and, like, false confident. Oh, look at this. You've got a a whole articulated uh, view about this. Okay. One of the greatest, you know, gifs or or vines is that little kid, that little Dave Burroughs, who runs on into the little (laughs) basketball net and he dunks it. And then he turns around and beats his chest. And then the net falls on him and hits him in the head. That's what we like to see. That's come up with. Yes. Um, I, no, I think the, we when like the Blue to Jays see... get good, it's, uh, it is going to be quite satisfying. Because as we're learning in the real world, there is no comeuppance. There is no actual penalty for powerful people acting badly. They just get away with it all the time on a sliding scale, you know, depending on how bad they are and what the nature of their crimes against humanity are. They tend to just skate. So if you have an opportunity for a loudmouth to get his comeuppance, you just take it whenever you can get it. If that means America's America's uh, uh, funniest videos, <laughs> or like in a, the groin. football in the groin, <laughs> or a forty-minute YouTube video that's called like Greatest Fails, and it's at ver- volume three hundred and fifty, and it's got nine million views, like each of the one, each of the three hundred and forty-nine before it. People love that stuff. They, that's driving dash cams. Everyone thinks they can drive. None, nobody can drive. Here's a video proof. <laughs> everyone, everyone okay. is like. On the highway in Russia. I see. I see where you were trying to bring this all along. It's gonna get back to parallel parking. Okay. All right. Okay. Competent. <laughs> Competent. I. All, another thing. Um. I. I have a new job, and in my new office there are many. It, we have hoteling. I don't know if you, you, uh, someone who works from home, is not familiar with this. Hoteling means you don't <laughs> no, have a not desk. Not even close. Yeah. You. Nobody had. Nobody in the whole place has a desk. You just sit wherever you sit. Fuck that. That yeah, sounds so you terrible. Don't, you have to, it's a clean desk. You take everything off and you have a little locker. You stuff it in. Then you wake up you go the next day and you find a new desk is the idea. And most people sit in the identical spot from day to day. The CEO, she's very eager and very keen. And she seems to move around. She'll sit because she wants to be with different departments and stuff like that, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so there's, uh, in, in this place, I was saddled into a one workstation and it's a standing workstation. So I stand a lot at work now and it's great. I like it a lot, except I need to get better shoes. So <laughs> that's the difference that, between me and Mark Shapiro. Yeah, that will be a thing. Mark Shapiro's probably got some really good shoes. He seems like the kind of guy who makes like good decisions on the kind of shoes he should wear. <laughs> I feel he's like at this point he's been hidden for so long. He's like Kleenex boxes, Howard Hughes kind of. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's 
it's in the Skydome Hotel. You know, just to me, uh, get, get in. We'll take the spruce spruce. You have just all of us. There's people of a certain age, yourself and myself, <laughs> view the world through the Simpsons lens. So, like, you make a reference to Howard Hughes, but it's really a reference to Mr. Burns. <laughs> well, I've I've seen the SCTV Melvin and Howard sketch. I mean, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was obviously talking about Mr. Burns. <laughs> Speaking of Mr. Burns, let's talk about Vladimir Guerrero. It's time. We're not going to talk about standing desks anymore? I mean, we could. I bet you Vlad Guerrero Jr. uses a standing desk. That just, I don't know. It just, it sounds like a nightmare to me. And I got to tell you, this is what you fucking lefties never understand, is that human nature is just going to fuck up. You think you have this nice thing where anyone can sit at any desk, but uh, human nature is going to take over. And it turns out we're all a bunch of pieces of shit. I like standing. I don't know if I love the hoteling. <laughs> I do like the standing, or the option to stand. The convertible desk that goes from standing to sitting. Um, because most of the time, most people in, in, in their jobs are in meetings a lot of the time, and I don't think that you can stand in the meeting. Most meetings you can't stand in. If this, so feels, this, this feels like a way to just, like, prevent clutter. Like, I guess I can't fuck up a desk too much if I have to move to a new one the next day. Like... Uh, Which is yeah, wanna, yeah, you you would object to that considering the fact that your desk was like a waste zone. Yeah, and I'm sure you left it all after your last I unceremonious not, day. I, I, I did not. I I had a weirdly even less ceremonious day where I like went in and cleaned it out after I had long been fired. <laughs> and that was so, fun. And I, and I forget who it was. I hope I hope he's listening. I forget who it was, but there was someone who was working at the score. Just like, oh, you like this your desk here? I'm like, yeah, I'm cleaning it. They shit canned me. It's like, oh, I started like I wanted to work here because I was reading you guys' stuff. And so I'm like, oh, cool, man. See you later. I don't want to be in this fucking office anymore. Those were that was a fun day to go back and clean out your desk. Right. No, I did mine right then and there. Actually, as I think about it, I did it right then and there. I cleaned it out and walked out and. Said a couple of goodbyes. People were like, what's going on? Why did you guys all leave at the same time? That's very odd. And I was like, oh, well, you see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I, uh, as, as you know, did not go to work. I, you know, I would just, I was at home and I remember yeah. getting like a call or a message. It's just like, oh, I guess you probably like, I'm like fucking hungover, half asleep. It's like, oh, I guess you heard uh, some, about the changes at the office. You should come down. We'll have a drink and we'll talk about it. I'm like, oh, okay. And I honestly thought that, like, I did not get fired <laughs> and showed up and, and like, was was in a much better mood than I should have been. And, <laughs> and it, like, slowly dawned on me. And it's like, oh, wait, did they did they fire me too? I don't, I don't know. And it took, like, it took, like, 15 minutes of this lunch with our, our supervisor, Joe, before I was like, wait a second. I think I don't have a job either. <laughs> You got to finish the season at least. I did, yeah. That was way too kind of them. But, um, uh, but also, uh, relatively speaking, I don't care. But you know what? It's nice to see them uh, paying people less to do uh, similar kind of work. You know what? Podcasts, you can't make any money off podcasts. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know who's going to make it money? Scott Boris. We can't. We got to talk about Scott Thank Boris. You. Scott Boris Thank held his like, state try- of the nation... You tried to pivot to Guerrero, and we—I think we just completely skipped over it. But yes, we can talk more. Well, there's what like there's not much to say about Guerrero. John Lott went to Arizona, did a, wrote a lovely story about Vlad Guerrero 
the the mission to mold him into everything that they, he needs to be. Um, so go read that on the Athletic, where John writes, and of course where Andrew Stoughton writes as well, and uh, and Caitlin McGrath, as you uh, you mentioned earlier. Scott Boris, uh, Chris Swick, who writes for Yahoo, he had a great mm-hmm. tweet, which was like in himself as a teenager, being like Scott Boris is everything wrong with baseball, and then he said. Today, in his 30s, the opposite of that. <laughs> right? It's like, Scott Boris is the greatest. Scott Boris has his, I mean, his, I don't say his heart's in the right place. Scott Boris is at least holding feet to the fire in such a way that he puts cheap teams on blast, which is all we could ever really hope for. This is true. I, I had a good discussion with somebody who made fine mm-hmm. points about, you know, I was like, I was saying the exact same thing. I was like, you know, somebody needs to hold these people's feet to the fire and you know people hate Boris, and it 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 bothers me because it, you know it it sidetracks the cover. It's like it, it becomes about it's a it's a a dimension of the oh greedy greedy athletes thing, which completely mm-hmm. overlooks the greedy owners thing. Who, you know, it, and, and part of this conversation that I, a couple of things that I tweeted about Boris is the idea that it's like oh okay two hundred million dollars if you spend more if a payroll is more than that. Unless you're like the Yankees or Dodgers or maybe the Red Sox or Cubs, it's like that's just beyond. That's too much. Like it's not sustainable for the Blue Jays to spend two hundred dollars. We understand that. We'd like them to spend more, but that would be too much. Or two hundred fifty million dollars. That would be too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, you know the the question that never gets asked is why do we assume? Well, like why do we believe that that's the figure? And it's because, because it's a round it's, number. It's because it's a round number, and it's because that's sort of where owners allow themselves to operate. But, mm-hmm. you know, they could absolutely spend more than that. Almost every owner. I mean, they start so far ahead of the game in terms of, like, the TV deals that they get and the, you know, the MLBAM money or, you know, whatever, how it works now after they've sold it. And and the uh, the, the national TV revenue and the revenue show. You know, te- like, these teams start with so much revenue it's a, it, you know, it's a joke to think that they're not making money on gate receipts. They're making money on TV. On a, they're making money so many different ways. And really, I guess what it comes down to is that, uh, like a, a two hundred fifty million dollar payroll. I think any, maybe not any team, but I assume pretty much any team could run that. The difference isn't like whether the organization like succeeds or falls in on itself. It's like how much extra profit happens at the top. I don't want to be sound too much like, well, I feel like, like, it, like it, it occupy wall street kind of guy, but, but like, I, I think teams could have more payroll and we've kind of gotten ourselves and partly it's because of the, where the luxury taxes, but we've got ourselves in this part of, in this conversation where we don't, we, we just assume that, Oh, the natural order of baseball teams is that you operate around 150, 170 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, think that that's just completely arbitrary and a gift to owners across the league to assume that that's correct. I have a couple things I want to bring up on this. Uh, I, there's two quotes I'm going to read. One of them is quickly, uh, Brian Cashman is kind of, of uh, the Yankees general manager, has been discussing the Yankees' desire to get under the, the salary cap, which is what it is. It's not a luxury, like the luxury tax, it's the salary cap. Call Basically, it what it is. Yeah. He said... Uh, they want to get under that because they don't want to line the pockets of their opponents to use that revenue against us, which is an interesting pivot. That's an interesting way to hit for him to spin 
the fact that they don't want to, because if you go over, then it gets redistributed to the whatever, the, the teams that get that extra money. Um, uh, uh, there's a, he's a Nats fan who goes uh, by Chicken Puppet. I saw this, and Nats oh, yeah, person yeah. shared it, which is like, quick back of the envelope math, but if the Yankees had a $500 million payroll, they'd pay half the teams in the league an average of $4.5 million each. So that payroll is not getting used against them. Again, in baseball terms, that's a trivial amount of money. But the other quote that I want to read, the quote I want to read is a, is a Scott Boris quote from Shai Davidi's story on Boris's media availability. So I'm not feeling Shai's thunder by reading this quote because he gave it to the hundreds and fifty of people at once. Um, <laughs> yeah. Players have an obligation to perform every year and perform at the highest of levels, and so do teams. We need a system that exactly addresses that issue. Boris continued. We have to create a performance model that is the equivalent of what we require of our players with owners in the sense that there's a reward for winning. If there's a reward for winning, I guarantee you they will do things differently. I can't, I can't argue with that. Most of that sounds pretty sound to me. Again, you talk about if every team had a $250 million payroll, I'm sure some of them would, would then take on operational losses on, on, in terms of their balance sheets yes a few fewer fewer than would they would all say they would but but not all of them would but yes sorry go on it would be harder to hide yeah than now but the point i'll make uh, over and over again and you don't have to look any further than the florida miami marlins which is it doesn't matter how bad your team is and how poorly it performs on the field if you own it for a period of 10 or 15 years, it's going to increase like tenfold in value. Like that equity, because there's only 30 of the thing you're you're buying and then selling, it, it's going to cover up all of those mistakes. There's no way, I don't think, in that instance that you're ever going to lose that much money on payroll. As long as, long as you're, you know, well, you, you got to be close to breaking even, right? I mean... You can't you can't lose too much money every year that you're going to cancel out. The Marlins the went up by a billion dollars, a billion. How hard it would be to lose a billion dollars by paying baseball players? Well, you got to really work hard to know. pay it's, to throw that much money away. That's two hundred million a year for five years. You think you're going to run a uh, payroll loss of two hundred million dollars every single year? I, I do not. I do not. But I'm just I'm just uh, well actuallying the some of the math here. I'm just saying, you know, yeah, that uh, you're absolutely right that the equity is the thing. But the equity doesn't operate. I'm not. I don't want to fucking be the excuse maker for the fucking owners. But the equity doesn't happen in a vacuum. I mean, they they still there are True. operating expenses and, and they do still True. have to break even. So Boris, of course, did Scott Boris is a, a brand. Scott Boris has become a brand. He is a brand. He's selling the Scott Boris, the Boris Corporation. He's selling the ability to you know have well, the, only the highest profile clients. A- agents are agents are becoming GMs now, and I am very interested to see <laughs> where that goes. What a wild Mets, the Metsiest <laughs> of all Metsing choices. Um, but Boris has got like he's got the he's throwing these phraseologies just on point, talking about the blue flu. That the that yeah, Toronto's uh, a wonderful city. It's a great franchise. They've drawn three million fans. Uh, they've they've lost nearly a third of their fan base due to blue flu of not bringing attractive players that their fans find interesting to the market. Not untrue. <laughs> There's parts of that that they haven't lost a third of their fans. They sold fewer tickets. 
He's Scott like a, Boris he's is like doing a cross the... between uh, Mike Huckabee and Don King. Some of his rhymes there, they're not, they're not great. <laughs> Sixteen bars from Scott Boris. That's that's a that's a podcast that I'd listen to. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, listen, even Boris isn't immune to doing the same thing that the owners do, which is like look pointing to the the attendance thing and then turning his pockets inside out like oh my god they don't have any fans can you why are they not having fans they the fans are what they want right the, anyway we we've been through the dynamic pricing debate a hundred times i don't know scott boris is, is an interesting guy and the jays it's true the jays have not spent like other teams the high what's the biggest free agent contract that the jays have ever given out is the russell martin contract. gotta be russell yeah yeah, uh, what's the biggest deal they've ever gotten? Vernon Wells, in terms of just like pure dollars, one hundred seventeen million. Yeah, that's a lot of money that Vernon Wells made in his career. Good for him. Very good player for a long time. Um, but I mean, it sucks to see the Blue Jays. In in some ways, it's it's disappointing to see the Blue Jays lumped in with the Twins and the and the Marlins. Is that is that what our fate is? I mean, is it disappointing or is it like infuriating? I mean, because the the market here is. I know that we're operating in loonies and shit, but like it, it is so vast, and it's like it, the the TV numbers are crazy. The 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 wealth that is literally adjacent to the stadium is crazy. Like it, I, I think it is. I think it has been an exercise in protect in like obfuscating how actually lucrative this franchise is for a very long time. I think that they've become very good at that. I don't know what the real numbers or whatever might be, but I mean, it just, the idea that, that even it, with the excuse of the, of, of the public accounting stuff and Rogers, uh, you know, they, they can't, they can't show too much of a loss because there's shareholders and stuff. It's like, there's just, it, it's just, it's such, it's such a franchise that should be a crown jewel. And to hear them mention in the same breath, the breath as the Mariners and the twins is completely the ridiculous. The Marlins. Well, whatever. The Mariners throw good money after bad all the time. They're the model franchise for Scott Boris. Uh, you're right, and and there was an interesting number that you hit, you got my brought to my attention, which is uh, there's a story in the Sporting News about the Facebook and baseball and Major League Baseball partnership, and how despite the fact that people were really really angry about it, um, the league and Facebook itself seem to think of it as a success, and they note that. The most viewed game of the season was an early season matchup between the Blue Jays and the Royals, which boasts 7.1 million views. Now, those are Facebook views, so they could be 10-second views. It could be three-second views. It's not like some of that's the number of people that watch the game from start to finish. Um, Facebook is notorious, obviously, for cooking the books. But they cooked the books the same for the whole every game all year, and the one that came out on top was a Blue Jays game. There's a lot of people in Canada that really like the Blue Jays. And there's a lot of money to be made if you put a competitive team on the field. Which, I think we maybe have... You, I think, of all the hopeless front office shills, have uh, have said that maybe the Jays won't be awful in 2019. Wow. There's, a chance that, there's a chance that maybe they could uh, surprise some people. Right? right? Sure. I, I, I mean... <laughs> there's probably as much of a chance that they'll be good this year as there was last year, which obviously didn't work out, but it, it, they, it could happen. I mean, if Sanchez is throwing, we, you know, we don't want to get it into mm. specifics, but also, I mean, part of that is, have you seen Vlad's uh, like steamer projection? 
It's, was it steamer or is it zips? It's like top whatever. I think and, it's steamer, but I could I could be wrong. It was he was like 14th. He was like it's like he's tied with like Aaron Judge and Nolan Arenado in terms of projected WAR, <laughs> and that's factoring in. I think it'll that only has him playing like 138 games. It's hilarious. He's pretty good. Yeah. He's pretty good. I could read. I read uh, 20, uh, 2080 Baseball, that uh, kind of recent startup. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Startup is the right word. Yeah, yeah. They ran, a, they ran a, a, a scouting report. Every scouting report reads the exact same, and I will read every one. <laughs> I won't even give a shit. It doesn't matter how well or poorly it's written. You are slapping a Vlad Guerrero uh, scouting report on the internet. I'm going to find it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to watch the video, and then I'm going to watch it again, but I'm only going to listen the second time. And then I'm going to hear that sweet, sweet sound, and I'm going to be like, yes, that is soon. And that's about it. That's, that's going to keep me warm all winter long. It's good. going to keep me excited and, and uh, extremely excited during spring training. It's going to make me lose my mind for about two weeks in April when I will not be able to hear that unless through the tinny speakers of my computer as he's playing in Buffalo. And then it'll be over. And then it'll be up and all will be well. Unless, of course, he goes back down. You know what happens? Happens. Up they go. Up and down. Takes a while to adjust. The big leagues. When you are a true generational talent with a Manny Ramirez-esque quality. <laughs> it's fucking insane. It's amazing. I'm excited. I'm excited. It, it's exciting. You know, it's, what's, you know what's exciting? You know what's exciting? I know I, I can feel from your tone that you're trying to wrap this up. Uh, but I will, I do, what's exciting is that, uh, you know, I, when I, when I go out and people are like, oh, what do you do? Oh, you're like, oh, you write about the Blue Jays. You talk about, you know, this is the thing. And, uh, and people who are casual fans, uh, who, you know, who watched them a bit last year, who, you know, were disappointed when they, but mm-hmm. are not super deep into it. You're like, well, yeah, but, uh, but Vlad's coming and they have no idea what you're talking about. And you get to tell them like, wait, no, seriously, wait, what you, you were, you're, this is, you, you know, it's not quite on your radar as a, as a Blue Jays fan, but as someone who will jump on that bandwagon, uh, if 2015 happens again, uh, it's outstanding to just be like, no, no, seriously, I'm not just being a homer and telling you that this is the great, like, like people whose jobs are on the line are like, holy shit, this guy is fucking insanely good that is a tremendous honor i think to have someone who's like a very slight baseball fan to be like what who is this and then you'd be like (laughs) remember that guy yeah it's his son no way and what all those (laughs) things it's great it's great um i think that's it you you did read my tone correctly i am about to wrap this up uh as we always say we are a patreon powered uh podcast our listeners Keep us going. So if you want to join the ranks, you can go to patreon.com slash birds all day and kick us a couple bucks a month. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been doing. We're coming up on 200 episodes of this show, which is crazy to me that we've gone this long. Um, but we're still doing it. And uh, we're entering into a very, this is like a new, a completely new Blue Jays era. This is, we've never been at a point like this that I can remember, quite frankly. Um, but it's exciting, even though sometimes our, we all of our shoulders slump a little bit because it's not a lot going on right now. Who God only knows what's going to happen this winter. I'm already excited for spring training. I want baseball back uh, right now. Call me crazy. So patreon.com slash birds all day. You can go to Facebook uh, unless you're like Stoughton and you don't want to go to Facebook. Did you delete your account like completely? 
No, I, I mean, Messenger is a thing, so I keep it around mm. for that, but I just, I don't ever look at it. It's, uh, it's terrible garbage. Well, if you aren't uh, of Stoughton's mind, if you are perhaps a manager of social media for a large nonprofit, <laughs> you have a Facebook page, and if you want to use it, facebook.com slash birds all day, we put the show up there and very occasionally put more stuff, and then people engage with it, and I think, we got to do more of that, and then I don't. You can follow Stoughton on Twitter, at Twitter uh, at Andrew Stoughton, and you can follow me at Drew Gruff. You can get the podcast, if not through the Patreon, you can get it at uh, soundcloud.com slash birds all day is where the, the, it is hosted. You can grab the RSS there, throw it in your Stitcher or Podbean, or if you're Spotify, you can just fucking ignore me for months on end. Uh, you can go to, <laughs> I get the, go to, I get the Apple podcast player. And uh, get it from there as well. And then we've got some really nice uh, ratings and reviews there. So thank you, everyone. If it's been a while, drop a new one in there. If you haven't rated or reviewed, go ahead and do it. Sometimes the show is really fun. Do it again? Mm-hmm. A second time? You're asking for the second Del- reviews? Keep them fresh. Keep them fresh. <laughs> get that algorithm needs more content. If you did it once, it's okay. Please don't feel obligated. If you haven't done once, let this episode in November of a fourth place team, let it be the one that gets you over the hump. Uh, I think that's it. Again, I keep, I've said this before, and we're going to do it, I swear. We have a really fun thing that we're going to do this uh, this winter. matter of us getting in the same place at the same time and pulling it off. But it's going to be will. the 200th episode spectacular, right? That's 10 weeks from now. I don't yeah, know if we can yeah, uh, no, wait that long. long. Yeah. That's like in the, the new year. There'll be <laughs> things to talk about. Like, oh, they're working out. Yeah. Oh, Bo Bichette. His hair is literally on fire. Uh, that's it. So, of course, you can read Stoughton at The Athletic. Uh, you can keep your eye on, but you'll maybe see some of my stuff on Vice this winter, hopefully. And, uh, and that's about it. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next time on Birds All Day. <laughs>